pray. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you, we love you. Lord, we ask you to be with us today, uh, that you uh, make your presence known here. Uh, Holy Spirit, walk amongst us, just be amongst us as we open your word, um, and as we're going to see uh, the, the life, the example that, that uh, Jesus gave us, the, the, the life in which we're to live in, and how we're to react to certain situations. God, I, I pray that we just uh, can hear your words. God, give me the words to speak, and uh, Lord, let us all have the hearts to listen. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, let's have a seat, please. All right. How are we doing today? Great, good. Okay, so here's the deal. The, the big question that I heard on the radio, a couple different stations on The Fish and also on Moody, was does God, one, actually it was two questions, does God care who wins the Super Bowl, or does God determine who wins the Super Bowl? Um, I don't know. I haven't found it in, 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 the word, in, in the Word here where he determines that, but I know that God's in control of everything, and if he wants Peyton Manning to win, so be it. If he wants Cam Newton to win, so be it. I don't know. I'm, not, I'm indifferent. My team lost the national championship, so I'm kind of bitter. Um, <laughs> but so here's the deal, though. You know, I was thinking about that this morning, too, and it, it kind of goes along with what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about temptation and, and uh, how Jesus dealt with it. And uh, sometimes a lot of people, um, well, I should say a lot of people, a lot of times, don't want to believe or uh, hear what it is God's Word has to say about a certain situation. Just like I didn't want to hear or I didn't want to believe that uh, Clemson lost a national uh, uh, championship game to Alabama. Um, I don't want to believe that, but it doesn't make it any less true. So what we're going to talk about today is uh, a, one of those truths that even if you don't want to believe it, just because you don't want to believe it, doesn't mean that God isn't uh, still in charge and God, um, God's truth is not, uh, is not real. So um, with that, let's do this. Uh, turn to Luke chapter 4. And uh, I want to start out with an illustration because what we're going to talk about today is um, the temptation of, of Jesus and um, as you can see, we're, it's Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through uh, 13 is what we're going to look at. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you uh, are, are new today or you haven't been here, you kinda, or you need just a refresher, you've been here, you've been sleeping, um, whatever, um, we're going through the, the, the book of Luke, and the reason we're going through the book of Luke is for what? Certainty. Okay, uh, Luke uh, writes his, Dr. Luke writes his book to uh, a man named Theophilus, okay, and this man named Theophilus, his, his name means lover of God or friend of God, and we can relate to that because we are a lover of God as believers in Jesus Christ. We are friend of God. So this book essentially is written to us, and he says the reason he writes this book is so you may have certainty about the things in which you've been taught. So we've been going through those, and, and every week we do a little bit, uh, or look at a, a different certainty, and uh, kind of see how maybe, uh, and I'm hoping you're, uh, I hope you're doing this, like you're weighing it uh, up against maybe uh, something that you, that you do know, um, or something maybe that you heard, and you're, you're figuring the certainty, or you're figuring out the truth for yourself. Uh, because I, at the end of the day, what I want to do is I want to communicate God's word to you, but I want you to decide. Uh, and, and we do that by making sure that we take responsibility for what God has gifted us with. Um, that is not only the responsibility of being here, but it's, it's, it's getting into his word, it's getting into prayer, it's the, the whole nine yards, as they, they say. So, with that, we're going to continue on. Yes, last week was kind of a, um, a, a little bit different. 
Um, we, we did uh, uh, almost have to give Bobby some uh, Ativan uh, to uh, calm down a little bit, but seats are all back where they, where they, where they need to be. Um, but uh, I, I don't know about you. I enjoyed last week just because it was something different, and, and we could see people's faces, not the backs of heads. Um, and uh, I, I believe that God spoke. So um, I don't know. I just wanted to say that. Let's start like this. I think I've already said let's start, so let's do it again. Um, my wife's not in here, so I can tell this story. Um, it, it never goes well when I start out like that, does it? No. Well, I, I was messing with my, my, well, her dog. It's technically her dog, but she loves me more. Um, she hates Jeremiah, uh, but uh, I was messing with her dog th- this past week and uh, just kind of doing some... I don't know, testing with, with, her, with the dog. Uh, Gabe was eating a hot dog, and he asked to have two hot dogs, and he didn't eat two hot dogs. He ate one hot dog, so I had an extra hot dog. So what am I going to do with an extra hot dog? I'm not going to let it go to waste. So I take the hot dog, and I go over to the dog, and, and I say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm preaching on temptation this week. I wonder what this would do uh, or if I could get a good illustration out of my dog. So I, I wave this hot dog in front of her face. She's uh, about a year and a half old, uh, a boxer, and um, very high strung. Uh, and um, she, she sits there, and, and, and she goes to grab, and I tell her no. So me, and as a loving master that I am, I take and I tell her no, and I lay the hot dog down on the ground, and she just, she's starting to drool. You know that foam that bubbles? <laughs> but as she's doing this, she's not looking at the hot dog. She's looking like straight at me. Like, okay, just say it. Just say it. Because I, I, I train my dogs where they, they're not allowed to take anything unless you say good. So she's looking at me and she's just foaming. Like, I want it so bad. I want it so bad. I want it so bad. Um, she's never had a hot dog before. So she smells it. She's like, I wonder what it tastes like. Uh, so she, she's, but she, her eyes are just gazing into my eyes. And then I said, good. And she, and it was gone like in a second. Um, I don't even think she tasted it. She's probably still wondering what it tastes like. Uh, but the, as, I, as I did that, I'm thinking, okay, that is a, a really good picture of what Jesus did when he was tempted. And, and as we're going to see here, and say, I'm not calling Jesus a dog, although God spelled backward is dog, but that's not what I'm trying to do. Um, but what, what, I, what I, I think that we can picture or what we can um, uh, uh, ascertain out of that is that when tempted, if we keep our eyes on the master, things will go well. We'll be able to get through that temptation, all right? So keep that in mind, not the picture of my dog, but keep that that, that picture in mind of keeping the eyes on on the master when when tempted. So let's let's look here, and and I'd appreciate if you didn't share that with my wife because she doesn't like giving the dog human food. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but she, she'll hear it. I mean, she'll listen to the podcast, and she'll say, mm-hmm. So, uh, chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, and let's start in verse 1. It says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Well, hold on. Where, why is Jesus being led from the Jordan? What just took place in the Jordan River? Exactly. Jesus was baptized. So after he was baptized, it says that he was full of the Holy Spirit. Now here, this is one thing we don't need to to kind of get jumbled up with. Like it wasn't as if Jesus was not full of the Holy Spirit before. Jesus is always full of the Holy Spirit. Luke's just identifying this because uh, we need to understand, as we're going to see in one of our certainties, this is an example for us. It says that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. 
for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. Everybody say, duh, right? Duh. Come on now. Look at your, your, your neighbor. My dad hates when, when preachers do this. Look at your neighbor and say, duh. You guys are killing me. <laughs> Thank you. So, but here's the why, why do I say that? Uh, if you don't eat for 40 days, what's going to happen? You're going to be hungry. Well, what does that tell us? Well, this is a, a very clear indication that this is this. Uh, what what uh, Dr. Luke is doing here is he's highlighting the humanity of Jesus. Because we, what we have to understand, and we've talked about this a little bit, is Jesus was 100% human. He was also 100% God. Why was he? Why is it important that we understand that he's 100% human and 100% God, and not 50 and 50? Well, as we're going to see in a minute here, um, as Hebrews is going to tell us, it, it was necessary so he could be, um, he, he could sympathize with us. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag yet, so we stomp on it, but we're, that was a joke. It was, I know, I'm, so, I'm trying, I really am, I'm trying, I'm trying, cats. I even gave, I gave two cat stickers out this morning when I was watching the kids during Sunday school, so be proud of me. Um, but, but Jesus had to be... 100% human, so he could sympathize with us in every weakness. So here it's telling us that one of the human qualities or human attributes is if you don't eat, you will be hungry, okay? The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And we know this happened a long time ago because Texas Roadhouse rolls were not um, invented yet. So if, if so, Jesus probably would have said, man shall not live by bread alone unless it's Texas Roadhouse rolls. <laughs> Come on now, you guys need to wake up. Who likes Texas Roadhouse rolls with the butter? Okay, thank you. No, but Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone. What he's doing, he's quoting the Old Testament here. But what I think is 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 even, I don't want to say more important, but as equally important here is the words not, not, are, are the words not only of Jesus, but of the devil. The devil here says, if you are the son of God. Now, note here that, 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 that the devil is not questioning if he's the son of God. Well, that's what it says, Lee. No, what he's doing is he's putting him into, he's back trying to back Jesus into the corner, saying, you know, like, since you are the son of God, or if you really think you are the son of God, well, then, basically, here, prove this. Because what just happened at the baptism of Jesus? What just happened? What, what was um, the, the picture in which we painted a few weeks ago where um, the, 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 the dove uh, or the Holy Spirit uh, descended in the form of a dove on Jesus, and there, then there was this voice. Okay, the voice said what? In, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So we know that the father is pleased with the son, and we talked about how the, the father is pleased with the son because of who the son is, not because of what the son has done. And what's going on here is the devil's attacking that. He's attacking the identity. He goes straight for the jugular of Jesus. If you are the son of God, turn these stones, or turn this stone into bread. Jesus answers with scripture. We'll talk more about that in a second. And it says, and the devil took him up so the second temptation here is that the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, 
To you I will give all authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve only, or, or in him only shall you serve. All right, so when, when we look at this, we, we, we hear, we see that the devil is claiming that he has authority on earth. Well, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know specifically how all this took place and um, what authority he has and what authority he doesn't have. But what we do know is all authority that the devil has has been given to him. Well, to what measure we don't know. It talks about in, in Revelation 13 about um, the, the dragon giving uh, some of his power and authority to to the beast and how that all works. I, I don't know. I mean, that's. How much, what measure, we, we don't know. Uh, we know that, that Paul talks about the God of this world. Uh, we, we, it talks about um, the, the, the prince of the power of the air. There's some authority in which the, the devil has, but we, what we need to understand and what we have to grab from this is any authority in which the devil has is what has been given to him. Now, now uh, here, here's something. Don't automatically go to, well, it's, it's um, authority or power from which God has given him. Because what usually happens is what uh, the, the devil, the power in which the devil has over an individual is the power or the authority of which the individual gives the devil. All right? It's, it's submitting to what it is the devil, the, the lies in which the devil is speaking into your ear. When you submit to the lies that the devil is speaking, you come under his authority. D don't, don't miss that. I have. A, I was looking at you know through this and, and look. I came across this um, this good illustration, so I stole it. Um, it says so often we say maybe to sin instead of no, leaving the option open for us to say yes. So it says instead of saying no to sin, what we do is we say maybe, and then it leaves the option open for yes. So what we do is we give uh, the, the devil a little bit of room, wiggle room for uh, the, the exercising of his authority or his power here. It says this is not resisting Satan or the temptations placed before us. We are like a person trying to get rid of a salesman on his doorstep without saying a firm no and closing the door. Though we say that we are not interested in buying Satan's product, which is sin, we leave the door just cracked a little bit and continue to discuss the tempting wares. We leave open the possibility for the devil to make a sale. To resist temptation, we must say, affirm no and shut the door. I think it's important that we understand this because what happens is we and I fall into this sometimes as well, we think that we can flirt with sin and we'll be all right. I can just go so far and I know where to stop. I can just, you know, it, it, it's, it's just a little bit, you know, I, I know where the line is, so I'm, I can get up to the line, but I'm not going to cross it. Well, what we have to understand is what Peter says about sin, about the, the, the devil. It says that, the, that our enemy, the adversary, is like a roaring lion. Seeking those whom in which he is to devour or can devour. So sin essentially is a lion that's just, okay, I can put a lion on a chain and I can walk that lion. Does that make that lion any less of a lion and have a killer instinct? No, but I, in my mind, he's on a chain. He ain't going to do anything. 
I heard a preacher once talk about how, um, and I think I've shared this with you, uh, where the, the, the swimsuit model was uh, laying with a, a lion. They were doing some, you know, whatever commercial or calendar, and this lion ended up mauling this, this, uh, uh, this model. Um, why? I don't know, because it's a lion, and that's what lions do. They maul, they kill, they, they go for the, the, the throat. Um, but just because that lion was on a chain, just because that lion was supposed to be tame, doesn't make it any less of a lion. In the same sense, when we, when we flirt with sin, is what we try to do is we, we try to put the sin on the leash. You know, I can do this and I can do this. I'm gonna, what, what happens is all, all you're doing is you're setting yourself up for an attack. Don't fall into the temptation or don't fall into Satan's lies where you can, I know my limitations. That's what everybody says. I know my limitations. I know how far I can go. All right. You're also falling to the, 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 uh, or under the, the attack or under the lies of, of the devil. Because the devil is not some dude in a pitch with a little you know, red suit and a pitchfork. Like you can identify him automatically. No, he's going to come and he's going to um, woo you with sin. He's going to say, okay, it's okay if you do X, Y, Z. It's not that bad. No, sin is sin. A lion's a lion. It can kill you. It's looking to devour you. So what we have to understand is we don't need to let that, that, that temptation go any further than, than, than need be. We're going to see how to, to, to um, deal with this here in a second. So, it says, and he took him to Jerusalem. So the devil took Jesus to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, so we, there again, he, he, he's attacking the, the, this, this, this identity here. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, notice that, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. So before I go farther, what we have to understand here is what did, what did Satan just do? He just spit some scripture, right? He just laid down. He, he laid down some psalms there to Jesus. Well, if you are the son of God, well, it says here that, you know, that, that, that if you throw yourself off here, nothing's going to really happen to you. So why don't you just do it? Jesus answers, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Pause. Last week we talked about um, in Malachi 3 where it talks about where, where God says, put me to the test. And we're talking about giving and, and just giving your life and, and everything to him. He says, put me to the test. Well, here we see it says, G Jesus said, well, you're not supposed to put God to the test. Let me clear a little bit of muddy area right here. The, the test in which Jesus is talking about, remember, we, we talk about all the time, context, 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 right? So we have to read things within context. What we were reading about last week was talking about God says to put him into the test in, in this area. He says, test me, and see if I don't open the, 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 the windows of, of heaven. Here, what Jesus is referring to is, is um, remember, 40 days, no food. 40 days, what we have to understand about 40 in the Bible, it's usually a time of, of, um, of testing, uh, a time of, the, well, like the children of Israel, there's a time of, of um, purification through all of this. What we need to see is that when Jesus quotes Scripture here, quoting out of Deuteronomy, 
Um, this is the time in which the, the nation of Israel was in uh, the wilderness roaming for 40 years. So as they were roaming for 40 years, during this time, they made this statement at this one place, Massah, where it was called Massah because it means quarreling. They made this statement like, is God really with us? Is the Lord here or is he not here? And the reason they said that is because they wanted, okay, God, if you're really real, do something. Think about this for a second. Remember that the children of Israel, they were being led by a cloud during the day. And fire at night, they've been drinking water out of a rock. They, they had a, a, a manna, the, the bread flaky stuff, fall from heaven. And they're saying, give us a sign to, to show us you're really real. <laughs> Doesn't make much sense, right? And that's what the devil, that's what the devil is doing here to Jesus. Give, me a, give, a, give all these people a sign to, to show that you really are the Messiah. That's the testing in which is taking place here. So when Jesus says, you're not to test the Lord your God, or um, you shall not uh, put the Lord your God to the test, we're not to say, okay, all right, God, if you're real, make the speaker explode and wait. Well, he must not be real. Kind of reminds me of a story where uh, the atheist, atheist professor was, was, was uh, teaching one day, and he's teaching on evolution. He's like, you know what? This is why I believe evolution. He gives this long spiel about it. And then he says, well, because there is no God. If there was a God, I'm going to sit right here, and in the next 15 minutes, he needs to knock me off my stool. Well, luckily for, for him, um, there, there was a, a former Marine that was taking some uh, classes under the Montgomery GI Bill after he's done a couple of tours in Afghanistan uh, and, and the Gulf. Um, he's sitting there. Well, about 14 minutes goes by. The, the, the former Marine gets up and walks up to his professor and just slugs him. Knocks him out. <laughs> Gone. Ugh. Knocks him off his stool. The professor comes to, to and is like, man, why did you do that? Well, God's too busy uh, to come down here and deal with you and your ignorance, so he sent me to do it. <laughs> uh, okay? That's what I think about there. So, I mean, that, we're not to put God to the test like that. Show me that you're real. What else do we need? He's given us so much. So that's what, what, what Jesus is referring to here. And he goes on, it goes on to say, And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Notice that, 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 that when the devil left, it doesn't say that the devil left and he never came to return. It said that he departed until an opportune time. In the same sense, what we have to understand is when we resist the devil, as it tells us to do, the scripture tells us, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It's not resist the devil once and he'll flee from you and never bother you again. No, it's a continual resist, resist, resist. Will he flee? Yeah, but he's going to come back eventually. Because it says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life. So the thief, or the thief uh, Satan, uh, that Jesus is talking about, the, the, the great tempter, the great deceiver wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy you, me. And the way in which he does that is by deceiving us into thinking that we're something that we're not. Think about this. When, when Jesus is tempted. This is right after his, um, the, the, the spiritual high that he had. Remember, I uh, just explained it. We, we talked, you know, baptism, 
The father's saying, I'm, this is the, uh, with, with you, this is my beloved son, with you I'm well pleased. Spiritual high, right? If, if the heavens opened, dove descended, voice said, this is my beloved son. Pretty, pretty impactful moment, right? Anybody have a, a spiritual high like that? Like God spoke from heaven? No, no don't, don't raise your hands. So, but right after that, this, the attack. Right after it says that, that, that um, he had this moment, he was attacked. Don't think that, that, that times of attack are going to come when you're just having a bad day. Times of attack are probably going to come when we're having good days. Here, it was one of the best days. Notice something else that times of attack are going to happen when you're alone. Jesus was alone in the wilderness. Why is it so vitally important that we come together? Why is it so vitally important that we do life together? It's so we're not alone. We need one another. But I think something that is even um, more striking, to, to me at least, is when um, this, this temptation happened. It reminds me, and I think you can draw somewhat of a parallel here, it reminds me to, about the Garden of Eden. The first Adam. In the Garden of Eden, and you don't have to turn back to Genesis 1, 2, 3, but we, we understand that, that, that um, Adam and Eve, they were made, it says they were made in God's image. We understand that in Genesis chapter 3 that the devil, the serpent, the great deceiver came in and questioned their identity. Because he says, well, the reason that God doesn't want you to eat from that tree is because if you eat from that tree, you'll become like him. Well, what he did in, in that twisting of words is uh, said something that was already true. Because it says that, that, that uh, man was made in, man and woman there, mankind was made in the image of God. They were already like God. So the, the devil deceived them into thinking, well, that's not really your identity. And then they fell. They partake of, well, wait a second, we want what's best for us. Well, what we see here is with the second Adam or the last Adam, we see that this same temptation, the same personal attack came in, but he didn't fall to it. He didn't submit to the lies of the devil. Why is that so important? Because I think that every single person in here has been lied to or is being lied to. If you're not, maybe you just don't see it. Because I think there's a constant lie from the devil. He's trying to make you think that you're something that you are, um, or that you're not something that you are, or you're something that you're not. That we're trying to find our identity. We're trying to find everything um, in everything around us instead of understanding that we're found in Christ. Remember, we talked about a couple weeks ago where it said um, that I asked you this question: Is God pleased with you? And then I totally, you know, crushed everybody's spirit. And then we build it back up at the end, right? What we have to understand is when we're hidden in Christ, when we're in Christ, God is pleased. The Father is pleased with us. But the devil wants us to continually think that he's not. Because when it talks about stealing and killing and destroying us, he wants to steal that from us. The devil wants us to steal our witness or wants to steal our witness he wants to destroy the impact of the effectiveness we have on people. Here the devil is doing, trying to do the same thing to Jesus. So as he's unsuccessful in this, we have great hope. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 4 with me. 
Hebrews chapter 4, it tells us why it's so very important, that, like I, I said early on, about why it's so important that, that Jesus was 100% human as well as 100% God. Because in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Since then, love those words, kind of like but God, but since then we have a great high priest who, is, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, so it's, there's no ambiguity here. It's very clear on what, who this high priest is, who um, Jesus is, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Pause there for a second. The reason it was so important... And this is the thing, like, people think, well, why was Jesus sent out into, uh, why was he led out into the wilderness to be tempted? Like, was he trying, is this kind of like a, a test for him to figure out if he really is the Son of God? Is this something like giving the opportunity for Satan to uh, defeat him? N no, the reason that Jesus was led by the Spirit out to be tempted, and understand this, pause for a second, understand that Jesus wasn't only tempted with three things. 40 days he was tempted. It only notes three here, but these are constant temptations going on and on and on, wearing him, trying to wear him down, trying to wear him down, trying to wear him down. But the reason that he was let out to be tempted is so we, have, we can have Hebrews 4.14 or 4, and 15. And then we can have Hebrews 16 where it says, let us then, okay, let us then, okay, since he's our high priest, since he's been tempted in every way, since he's without sin, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this verse. Where should you go in the time of need? You should go to Jesus. It says the throne of grace. Why can you go to him? Because he, he knows what you've been through. Here, here's the thing. You, you, you hear me say this all the time. You're not surprising God. You're not going to say, hey, God, I'm sorry because I did this, or I can't go to God. He, do you know what I've done? God already knows. But you need to go to him to receive mercy and to receive grace in that time of need. Because you're not designed to do that on your own. I'm not designed to do that on my own. Like, I can shoulder the world. I got this. No. There's a reason that Christ was tempted. There's a reason he came. The only one who can honestly say, I got this, is Jesus. Because he bore the weight of the, uh, of the sin of the world on him. Here, it says that we could go with confidence. Granted... Hebrews was not written at the, t at the time, probably was not written, if you look at you know, history or whatever, um, was probably not written at the time in which uh, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. So it's not like it, he wrote this so we could understand, or so he could like kind of, uh, we can dissect and understand Hebrews 4, like he wrote Luke to understand Hebrews. But I think there's a great parallel for us understanding that with this truth, we can see that this truth is real. That goes back to, remember at the beginning, I said just because if you don't want to believe it doesn't make it any less true. 
Even if you don't want to go to God with your problem because I'm just a terrible person, because you don't think you, you, sh- you can go and you don't think that he can overcome those problems, doesn't mean that he can't. What you're doing is you're listening to the lies of the devil. Quit listening to the lies of the devil. We, we live, that, that's what happened to our, our, our first uh, you know, father and mother in the garden. They listened to the lie of the devil. And they succumbed to that lie. Don't, don't do it. Here's something else I want, to, I want us to understand, and this is one of the certainties. So if you want to write the certainty down, one of the certainties is that temptation, temptation alone is not sin. So hear this because I get this question. You guys, you'd probably be surprised. I get this question often. I'm being tempted by this. I need to repent of X, Y, Z. Well, here's the deal. You're being tempted. Now, the temptation alone is not sin. How you respond to that temptation is. Because if temptation was sin, that means Jesus sinned. And we know that he did not sin because it says that he did not sin. So being tempted is not a sin. Now, how do you respond to that temptation? Well, we're going to talk about that in a second. The second certainty is that temptation is from the devil and it's not from God. James 1, uh, 13 says that, uh, let no one say that when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Understand that a temptation is not, here's where people think, they get the wrong definition of what, or the wrong understanding of what temptation is. Temptation is the, and I wrote this down here for you. Temptation, so if we're defining this biblically like we're talking about here, is an urge or a desire to do something wrong or to sin. God doesn't do that to us. God doesn't put us in, well, I wonder how he's going to respond in this situation. I wonder if he's going to sin or not. That's not God. I don't care how godly you want to make this all up or you want to paint it. God doesn't tempt us. That's why I say that the devil is not the guy in the pitchfork or the little red suit with the pitchfork. The devil is one who is very good at his job. I'm not trying to give accolades to the devil. I just want you to be aware that he's called the great deceiver for a reason. If you're not careful, he'll get you. The mind is the devil's playing field, is what, what, what uh, you know, uh, philosophers say, or the, uh, theologians say, or scholars, or whatever. The Bible dudes, the gray-haired dudes, you know, the old ones, whatever. The guys are really smart. They say that, that's, the, the mind is the devil's playing field. Man, I've had plenty of conversations, even within the past month, with many people that, that I've seen that be, to be true. Because something happens, and then they're doubting who they are in Christ. Is God going to forgive me for this? I did this, but what about this? And how about this? And what here? And, it, and they just kind of, the devil's just starting to play on you. Resist the devil. Here. I already said this one, but here. The, the devil has no power unless it's given to him. That's a certainty. We already talked about that. Let me go on to the final one. This is the awesome one. Well, they're all awesome. Awesome in the true sense of the word, Mr. Ed. Every time I say awesome, he was always like, now, do you mean like in the true sense or do you mean like radical dude, kind of awesome? Awesome, like all inspiring, like I'm like taken back from. Temptation is defeated by an offensive weapon. And think about this. Temptation is defeated 
Or how about this? Temptation is defended against by an offensive weapon. It says, go back to Luke 4. It is written. It is written. What, is, what okay, if, if I make the statement that um, temptation is defended against by an offensive weapon, what weapon am I referring to? The Word of God. Or how about this, as um, uh, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, when he's describing the whole armor of God, and it, that's an awesome study. Take, and to be honest with you, if, if you want to do an awesome study on the whole armor of God, talk to Miss Stephanie. She's got a, an awesome one she shared with me a, a few years ago. But in this um, whole armor of God, what we understand is all the pieces of the armament are defensive, except for the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Turn, turn there real quick. I don't want to just tell you on my own. I want you to see this. Ephesians chapter 6. Keep your finger in Luke. Turn to the right. Ephesians chapter 6. It starts in verse 10. We won't read all of that. You can read all of that on your own. But I, I love getting geeked up about this because it says, verse 17, as, he, as Paul is talking about all of the armor of God and what, this, what each piece does and the importance of each one, it says... Um, in 17, and take the helmet of salvation. So helmet, helmet's a defensive, uh, a defensive weapon um, or a defensive piece. It says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So he's talking, you know, we need to arm ourselves with the whole armor of God. And he's talking, okay, your weapon of choice is this. That's what we need. So why is that so important? Well, if we look back at Luke, when, when tempted, Jesus comes back with Scripture. Wait a second, Lee, the devil used Scripture too. Yes, the devil used Scripture out of context. The devil used Scripture for wrong reasons. I know there's a lot of people in here, no one in here does that, but you know somebody that uses what I call Bible darts, right? No one in here would ever do that. But they, they, they use these darts where you can take anything out of Scripture and put it in isolation in a vacuum and make it sound and say whatever you want it to say. Well, that's what the devil was trying to do here. But what we have to understand is when we are tempted, what our response needs to be or how we're going to defend against it, against it is with the Word of God. We have to. And this is, this is what um, one of the, 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 the awesome things that I, I see here. I see the, the Son of God, because we know He's the Son of God, because the Father, God the Father said He's the Son of God. He affirmed Him. He said He's pleased with Him. So we have the Son of God led by the Spirit of God using the Word of God. So the Son of God led by the Spirit of God using the, the Word of God to do what? To defeat Satan. So think about this. Any one of these things, these temptations in which that the devil presented or tempted Jesus with, could Jesus have easily have done any of those? Absolutely, he could. But if he did, if Jesus did any of those, what would he be doing? He'd be enacting his supernatural powers, right? 
And then would he be the, the, the great high priest in which he's able to uh, sympathize with us in our weakness? No, he would not. Because we have here, well, uh, well, if you're really hungry, you can just turn these stones into bread. Could he have done that? Yeah, he could have, and he could have chowed down. Could he have um, worshipped uh, Satan and gotten all the power that was given to him on, on earth and, and received that worship? Yeah, he, he could have. Uh, and, and I like how one theologian said, he could have received the crown without the cross. But if he would have received the crown without the cross, there would be no salvation for us. So think about that. When Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, he was thinking about you. Man, I don't want to get all mushy, but I think that we overlook that. We look at things that go on in the Bible, and we, don't, we try to depersonalize them. He was thinking about you because if he, would, if he, was, um, if he succumbed to uh, or submitted himself to that, that, that temptation and, 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 and sinned, there would be no salvation because he wouldn't be the perfect, spotless lamb of God that is offered for the sins of the world because he'd be just as nasty and dirty as the rest of us. It also says here that, um, or we can also see here that understanding that since he didn't use supernatural power, since he did, we can sympathize with, or he can sympathize with us, we have to understand that the same power that, that, that Jesus was, and I'm just going to use the word used, and, and I'm using that loosely, but here, that Jesus used, or how about this, the same power that Jesus was empowered with is the same Holy Spirit that resides in us. So if Jesus, by the power, because it says he's full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit out into the wilderness to be tempted, that same Spirit, as Paul tells us, is the same Spirit that resides inside of us. If that same Spirit, and I, I said this last week, and I'll stand on this two feet till the day I die, that same Spirit that's inside of us is the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead. We don't have to sin. We choose to sin. We have the power over that. So understand, we don't need to succumb. We don't need to fall for the temptation of the devil saying, well, I can't, you know, and, and this is so hard and so t- difficult, and I, I just, I'm not able to do this. Well, here's the deal. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 real quick. This is where we're going to end, I think. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is uh, verse 13. This is the one where people try to put on coffee cups, and they use this one way out of context. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. So people say, well, God's not going to tempt you more than you're able to, uh, to endure, or, the, or more than you're able to stand. You didn't read that whole thing then. God is going to push you past your limit. Why is he going to push you past your limit? Because he's got to push you beyond yourself so you see that you can't do it on your own. You need him. Because when it talks about, and it says that, that he is, uh, but with every temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. The way of escape is just the same way in which Jesus had to escape. The Son of God, led by the Spirit of God, used the Word of God to escape the temptations of the devil. We've got that same spirit inside of us. We've got the same word available to us. Does that mean that, okay, 
All right, preacher, you're making it sound like I'm just a nasty, dirty person because I fall to temptation. No, what I'm saying is you're a human and you're going to be tempted. What are you doing to overcome those temptations? Too many times we take the easy road and just say, well, I'm a sinner saved by grace and I'm, it's just going to happen. No, you don't have to. Position yourself under that faucet. We talk, position yourself under that faucet so when God turns the blessings on, you're there. What keeps us from that? What keeps us from that faucet? The lies of the devil. Because the lies of the devil produce sin in our lives. Because we have the power of God in us and we don't have to sin, we choose to. Let that just just shower over you. Understand that the big idea is that Satan was attacking the identity of Jesus, but Jesus withstood it. And since Jesus did... We have the same power to do the same. Let's bow. I want you to just think about that for a moment. Um, just, just think about it. And, and, and this is the, 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 where people say, well, I don't know enough Bible. I don't, have, I don't know enough knowledge. No, no, here's the deal. To resist the devil, it says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's where you want to start there. Don't believe his lies that you don't know enough. You don't do enough. Listen to what the son says about us. Listen to what, how the father views us through the son. Understand. Understand that the lies of Satan are lies that steal, kill, and destroy. Think about that this week. John 10, 10. says, The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come, this is Jesus saying this, but I've come to give life and life abundant. I'm not, this is not the, you know, God wants you to have just a, an awesome life. That's not what I'm saying. He wants you to have an abundant life. An abundant life is a life that's full a life that is full of the Spirit. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you. God, we love you. Lord, we ask just in the next couple of minutes we can reflect on the, the words in which you've given us. Let our hearts be open to hear that. And Lord, let us not only hear, but let us act upon that. Lord, we can't ask that we be safe from that temptation, but what we can ask is during that temptation we can understand that where, where it is we need to go to. We need to go to the throne of grace. Lord, let us be confident as it says. Let us draw near to the throne of grace. Praise in your name, Jesus. Amen.